Welcome, true believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here is a man who is available to hire for podcasting or music or dating your friends in Canada. <laughs> My cash-hungry friend, Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? James B., you sound like you're my sponsor for like whoever is a bit, whoever needs an Eddie to show up and help out. I guess I, I'm feeling great. I'm ready for, ready for whatever. You know, I might have been feeling like I was your sponsor because later today when we do our sponsor, Eddie, yeah. um, I don't even have to read anything for the sponsor. Wow. Yeah, how's that for a tease? It's I don't I'm not even doing the sponsor today, so maybe I'm Jeez. sort of in the mood to do one, and it this is a little bit of a little bit of a tease for later. Wow, I I can only hope it's bone saw again. But Eddie, why don't yes. you a uh, bone saw? Yes, that was from uh, our 25th episode. Yes, throwback, oh. throwback there. Yeah, that was that was a good reference. Why don't we not talk about the 25th podcast we did and talk about the 79th podcast we're doing right now? And why don't you tell us what the first book is we're going to cover the two-pack today. It is The Amazing Spider-Man number 122, The Goblin's Last Stand. Gwen is dead. Hey, Eddie, before we talk about the first book today, yes, we didn't talk about the title of the previous book, which was uh, from June of 1973, The Amazing Spider-Man 121. You, you left everyone with a concealed title. Can you let us know what the title was to that issue? Yes, I forgot to say it was The Night Gwen Stacy Died. Now I feel comfortable you continuing with today's podcast. Okay, I'm not I'm not sure if it was the night when she died, but ah, so be it. The Amazing Spider-Man number 122, The Goblin's Last Stand. Gwen is dead in Spider-Man's arms on top of the George Washington Bridge while the goblin flies about mocking him. Spidey lays Gwen down at the foot of the bridge and attacks Gobby. In a blind rage, Spidey jumps on top of Green Goblin's shoulders, but Green Goblin runs him into a bridge cable. Dazed, he sees the police arrive to examine Gwen's body. He swings down to prevent the police from touching Gwen. We get a vision of when Peter and Gwen first met as an ambulance takes Gwen away. Eddie, I wanted to mention that on page six, the cop notes like he can see Spider-Man in pain even when Spider-Man, of course, is wearing his costume. And mm -hmm. shortly after, Spider-Man says aloud, like he says the words like, Spider-Man killed her. Um, I think he says that. Maybe he says, I killed her. But I think he says, you know, he referenced that he killed her. Yes. Uh, I think that's an interesting line when he says he killed her in many ways. It was interesting that he says it out loud um, and not in a thought bubble. And it's open to debate. I'm pretty sure I could see it from either side. Do you want to uh, pick a side? Uh, I'll pick a side. I'll say that Spider-Man didn't kill her. Okay. Um, well, he, well, he did because he literally snapped her neck. <laughs> yes, but she was in that predicament because Norman Osborn and the Green Goblin had set her on top of a bridge unconscious and I think had weakened her in whatever way he had knocked her out, goblin bomb or otherwise. Well, the reason that the Green Goblin grabbed her is because Peter has chosen to date her and putting her in jeopardy because Norman Osborn 
knows who Peter Parker is. Norman Osborn, you know, he is the guy who did everything here. Peter Parker is just trying to live his life. And in order to live his life, he has to have relationships. And eventually someone was going to figure out he was Spider-Man. And unfortunately, he didn't figure that out before one of the villains figured out that, you know, he was Spider-Man. So Peter just got to, he's got to live his life. And unfortunately, it really didn't work out this time and Gwen died. But well, I'll close by saying that he had a chance to let Norman Osborn die in that fire. And that would have solved all these problems, too. So by letting Norman Osborn die, you know, it would have saved Gwen. So. Well, he is he is a superhero, so he can't just let people die. <laughs> That's true. But if he doesn't let people die, then uh, other people die. You know, ultimately, he then he let Gwen Stacy die by his actions. In a very ironic way, sadly. It's true. Well, Peter swings to the Osborne residence where he disturbs Harry and can't find Norman. He goes to the bugle where Joe Robbie gives him a lead on the whereabouts of the goblin. But he catches up to the Green Goblin and attacks him viciously. As the Goblin lays nearly dead, Spidey stops attacking. The Goblin tries to sneak attack him with his Goblin Glider, but ends up impaling himself. The Goblin is dead. Peter goes home, and we see MJ decide to stay with him in this dark hour. Ooh. You know, Spider-Man notes Eddie on page four. Uh-huh. That his anger knocked out his spider sense. Yet, when he's punching the goblin out, definitely involving anger, he stops just in time to use his spider sense to jump out of the way of the glider. I mean, I guess he was no longer angry at that one moment because he does sort of say, like, what am I doing? But he must have came down really fast from being super angry just in time or else that glider would have got him. He's pretty lucky. Very lucky that that spider sense, you know, appeared there. I, I, this is another death in Spider-Man. I can hardly get over it. Like, if someone dies in the next issue, it's just crazy. And one of the things I thought about, I'm like, where is Stan Lee? How does Stan Lee feel about, you know, Gwen Stacy and the Green Goblin, two characters that he helped create, had big parts in, being killed off? Because we know he's not writing these issues, and... This is a huge new direction for Spider-Man after these two. There is plenty of exposition here. I mean, Peter seems angrier with MJ and Harry than he does with the Goblin. I think it's just a tough book in general to write for the intended audience, which I think is still children. Um, I just wonder how Stanley would have, if Stanley was told, you know, kill off Gwen and kill off Goblin. I don't, I feel like it would have been written differently. I I cannot help but think, like, you're exactly right. I The Flash Vietnam issues were no fun for me to read. And this level of death and darkness. And I know I glazed over this part where Peter goes to the Osborne residence. But, like, Harry is just still extremely unwell. And it's super sad here. He sees Peter for a moment when he comes out of his illness. And he walk, Peter walks away. And Harry is just, Peter... Don't go, Peter. If you leave, how can I be sure you were even here? And and if you're not here, how can I be sure I am? And it's, you know, little tiny words at the end. It says, I'll be all alone as Peter slams the door. It's just such a dark book. I Too much for me. And he is going to be all alone because Peter's going to go battle his father and his father's going to die. So it's oh. like foreshadowing too. Gosh, so, so rough. Oh, my. Well, they wrap this book up and... They got to try to move on. Where do you go from here? (laughs) 
Well, you you got to have a funeral because you got to you got to sort of wrap up this whole storyline with the death of the goblin, the death of Gwen Stacy, and of course the death of Jean Pierre Rimbaud. You know, having three <laughs> key characters die in a row. Why don't you tell us what happens in Amazing Spider-Man one twenty-three? Um, just a man called Cage. Norman Osborn is dead, and J. Jonah knows it was Spider-Man who killed him. A shadowy figure looks on from a distance, informing the reader he was the one who removed the Green Goblin's costume from Norman's body and that Spider-Man will pay with his life. J. Jonah hatches a plan to catch Spidey on his drive back to the office. At Gwen's funeral, MJ, Peter, and Joe talk. After the service, MJ takes Peter out for coffee. Gwen's grandparents want to meet Aunt May. How old can Gwen's grandparents be, James B.? Well, you can't have like Gwen's dad meet Aunt That's May right. because we've killed him off already too, like back in issue 90. There's not that many people left in the family, so Captain Stacy but Captain Stacy appeared very aged with his cane walking about. I know he was a rather spry, you know, when he needed to be moving around, but I can't believe his parents are still alive. They're not his parents. They're not his parents. They're the mom's parents. Ah, I see. He didn't say it's the, the, the Stacy's. It's it's Gwen's mm. grandparents. It's it's from the mom's side. So that's how you get around that one there. Okay. Um, you mentioned uh, J. Jameson hatches a plan to catch <laughs> yes. Spidey on his drive back to the office. Um, I'm not sure how much detail you noticed, so I'm going to fill you in Help as me if out. you didn't notice. Here's how we got the idea. He was in a car. And he was reading the Daily Bugle. Yes. And on the cover of the Daily Bugle, <laughs> he's like, hmm, my friend Phil Fox uh, mentioned this Luke Cage character. Interesting. Hmm. So basically the headline of his paper, he just kind of realized, oh, yeah, Luke Cage. I hadn't thought about this headline. <laughs> Hero for hire. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well. You know, it's not like he's ever spent any money before trying to uh, take out Spider-Man. <laughs> Eddie, quick, go. Tell me every time that he spent money to try to take out Spider-Man that you could think of. Three Spider-Slayers. Um, uh, the Scorpion. <laughs> he, he paid a, someone to create the Scorpion, essentially, and then was going to pay the Scorpion himself to take out Spider-Man. So unlimited funds for such ventures. <laughs> did he promise Craven something? I think he did promise Craven he would too. pay him something. He paid for the parade for Mysterio. Oh, that's true. Could, could count that as well. But all right, I'm sorry. Please continue with the summary. Spidey is swinging about town trying to clear his head when he is attacked by Luke Cage. Cage was hired by J. Jonah to capture Spider-Man for $5,000. They fight until Cage is subdued. Cage takes a dig at Bruce Wayne and defends his mercenary status before Spidey swings off. Peter returns to his apartment and finds a brooding silent Harry. He goes to a dance at ESU with MJ, but is interrupted by Cage. Spidey fights Cage until they sit down to talk. A few hours later, we see Luke Cage aggressively returning his money to J. Jonah and Peter cheerful, having made a new friend. James B., what did you think about the way Luke Cage and Spidey talked throughout this issue? Yeah, they... They kind of made it seem like Spidey was overstepping how he talked to Luke Cage. But then later on, they apparently discussed what Spider-Man discusses with all the superheroes he faces, which is, hey, by the way, 
Uh, I'm the good guy, and J. Jun Jameson is not. Eddie, you can just check out uh, Kazar in Amazing Spider-Man 57 for the first of many, many of these. Apparently, everything worked out. You just said, let's just talk, and then boom, it was over. I was so happy to see this because after reading, I don't even know, maybe seven uh, books where Spider-Man fights the Human Torch and they just can't seem to talk and communicate, he's finally done it. He's like figured out a way to talk out his problems. And I give a lot of a lot of credit to Luke Cage here for coming around in the right way. Well, he didn't laugh in his face like the Gibbon and be like, "Hey, you know, you think you're you think you're my equal? Come on, Joker, get the heck out of here!" Like at least he approached it the right way. So. True. A little bit of improvement there in the last year. I guess he had, he had already, they'd already gone, you know, fisticuffs here. So he might have some respect because there is a lot of fighting in this book. And Luke Cage seems to go toe to toe with Spider Man. I, I know I was complaining about how I'm sick of him being sick all the time when he's fighting someone. And he's not. And he hits Luke Cage very hard many times. And Luke Cage just keeps getting back up and going at him. Oh, I thought he, I was surprised he was doing so well against Luke Cage. Luke Cage is, I mean, he's he's literally power man for a reason. He's strong. He's, you know, he's going to replace the thing in the Fantastic Four for a short run. Like he's, he's like Hulk level strength. So Spider-Man being able to go toe to toe with him, uh, but they made Spider-Man angry and they made him not sick. And then they could justify, well, an angry Spider-Man could, could really, because I mean, Spider-Man beats him. He wins. He does twice too. Yeah. he, He beats him. I have some other things I want to talk about that we didn't cover in this issue, but we should get our sponsor. And we did our sponsor at the end of last issue. I'd like to get it in a little sooner today, if that's okay. Okay, let's hear it. Oh, I mentioned I don't even have anything to read for this sponsor, really, because um, we have a, I guess, well, it's a nice surprise for you, Eddie. Our sponsor is going to be on the show, and um, I guess I guess you can talk to the sponsor. So hold on, let me oh, okay. connect that's the sponsor. Great. Bring in more uh, people into Let's Read Spider-Man. I have Luke Cage coming here the actual hero for hire eddie wow okay i just want to let you know that to get him on the show it's a little different i just told him you know you were looking to um um, hire him so just uh i'm sure you can um use him for something so hold on let me let me just connect him in here the next voice you hear should be uh luke cage okay hold on hello is this eddie (laughs) yes luke thank you for appearing on the show eddie you want to hire me, Eddie? Um, perhaps. Eddie, you can buy yourself a superhero. I'm Luke Cage. <laughs> well, I, that'd be thrilled. Uh, I'd be thrilled to have a superhero. Eddie, uh, you pay me side. to work. I like to earn my pay. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Well, I, can you? What do you need, Eddie? Tone? What do you need? <laughs> can you call me a tone of voice a little bit, Luke? Let's talk this out. Sweet jumping sister, this is my regular voice. <laughs> Eddie, I'm Power Man, the one and only. What do you need, Eddie? Uh, okay, um, you know, I there's some mulch I gotta lay out on my lawn. I don't know if that's something you're available for. When do you need me to do that, Eddie? Let's see, maybe maybe next week, this weekend. Eddie, Saturday is my day of rest. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Cage. I, you got me a little bit stressed out right now. I, I might you got a gripe, to... Eddie? You got a gripe with, with Luke Cage? Um, uh, no, of course not. I, you know, sir, I, whatever you, whatever you need me to do, if you need me to help you, that's fine. I ain't no third rate thug. I'm solid muscle. I don't need your help, Eddie. You hire Luke Cage. You hire Power Man. 
uh, okay, all right, well, um... Who you need me to bust up, Eddie? You oh, tell I, me. I, I don't, I don't, I, maybe you can help me at school? People hassling you at school? You tell the nurses you at school to get the bandages ready. There's some bruising coming up from Luke Cage. You know, that, that's not how we solve problems at school. I, I think you could be helpful without resorting to violence, perhaps? I wouldn't be in this line of work if I was a cream puff. Solid muscles, Eddie. Okay, well, sir, I will let you know the next time I'm going to attend a cage fight. Yeah, maybe you can help me out then, but... You think I can't help you? I said I would help you. Would I lay a jive rap on you? <laughs> of course not. Sounds like you wasted Luke Cage's time, Eddie. Okay, Mr. Cage. You, you don't ever mess with Luke Cage, you get it? You dig? Yeah, yeah, I get it. Perhaps you should find someone else besides me, Mr. Cage. I'm <laughs> a little uncomfortable. Well, Eddie, that was our sponsor for today. That was Luke Cage. Ooh. I I did tell him you were going to hire him. I wasn't um, Wow. not sure what you actually Jeez. got him doing. but um, I, I, Well, I considered it, but... I, sounds like you told him to fight some people at work, so... Uh, you know, that's not what I was alluding to. I thought he might be inspirational, but I, let's let's I, let, let's let him know we don't need him on the show anymore. <laughs> I'm not gonna do you call you call him back. <laughs> He's coming to see you anyway. Sounds like you got some mulch or oh something. Did you did you give him all my contact information? Like, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Okay, thank you, James. Hey, um. Speaking of uh, awkward situations and people that you might not want to talk to. Uh, yes. Flash Thompson was at the funeral. Yes, he was. I believe he told Peter, I never had relations with Gwen. Ugh. And uh, they sort of did the like, we're, we're okay kind of moment. They, there, was, there was no digs or jokes there, right? Yep. I, yes, I would agree with that. But tackless Flash. I <laughs> Why would he? Why would he bring this up at the funeral? So. It wasn't. Maybe I made it sound worse than he said it, but that's kind of what he was saying. Yeah, he says, "I I hope you'll forgive me, but right now I don't feel very much like talking." Is the last things he says. And I'm like, "Yo, Flash!" Like he first he. We should also talk about the whole MJ staying with Peter in 122 at the end. Yes, that that's kind of an illusion that MJ will now be a big part of Peter's life because in, instead of leaving, she decides to stay to I assume comfort him. So. Yeah, and he's being really mean to her too, right? But let me give you the lines here at the end here. You know, she's saying that she's really sad and he gets mad at her. And he's like, don't make me laugh, Mary Jane. You wouldn't be sorry if your own mother died. What do you care about straights like me and Gwen? And he puts that in present tense, you know, Oof. not past tense. Go on, get out of here. I know how you hate sick beds. Maybe a dig on the fact that she's not willing to put up with Harry for anything. And believe me, I wouldn't want to spoil your fun. So all just, you know, and that's the kind of thing that a regular person would just walk out on, you know. It's very harsh. And then the narrator says for a moment she hesitates by the door and then, and it shows her and she opens the door and then she closes it and she's still in the room. And they never go back to that. They don't go back to like anything. They just show that she stays, you know. Once again. We have to assume like she's comforting him, but it doesn't really. Yeah, we miss out on some... Really good storytelling. They could really have a fascinating conversation right there. But well, well, here's the, here's the, the not Stan Lee influence. 
this right. is not exposition now, right? Again, it's true. Like you see the images and you know what happens. Like you know there's some conversation. I don't need to see it or hear it. Like it happens. Where when Flash is talking, hey, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Flash could just look at him. They could look at each other. They could nod. And that would have been that would have been powerful, right? That would have been better. Yep. That would have been much better, yeah. I think. So I want I want less exposition now. You know, I'm on this bandwagon. Just show me some images here. What else happened in 122 and 123 that we might want to talk about? Well, there's the scene when Peter walks into his apartment and um, Harry is there and just does not say a single word to Peter. Um, It's interesting, you know, I guess we could think he could be angry about Peter leaving him in his, you know, moment of distress or... You know, we could think Harry knows something about Peter and his dad. Or we could think something to the effect is his dad's dead and what he's thinking about now. True. His dad's dead and Gwen's dead. That's, You're right. I mean, that's why I thought they could... That's why I find this to be extra awkward, too, because both of them are going through really traumatic moments here, and they're more distant than ever Probably. And they've never been, they've been distant before, that's for sure. Super awkward. At least he got some free rent out of this one, I guess. Uh, Jay Jonah with a bunch of money in his mouth. It's it's one of the, one of my all-time favorite panels, arguably. When, Why don't you explain that one, and then I'll talk about what I want to talk about. So, so. Uh, at the end of 123, when Luke Cage walks into Jay Jonah's office, kind of, past everybody we, we see him walk in we see him walk out and the next panel is jay jonah with a bunch of money stuffed in his mouth and <laughs> i it's got to be one of my all-time favorite panels like as soon as i saw it because <laughs> finally like we don't have to go through <laughs> he deserves this so much i guess <laughs> it's funny how you and i see these books differently eddie's focusing on jay jonah jameson with money stuck in his mouth yeah. I'm talking about the troubled ending with MJ, the difficult conversation with Flash. And now I wanted to bring you to the six panel, let me be clear, six panel death of the goblin as opposed to the one panel J. Yes. John Jameson with money in his mouth. So back in 122, <laughs> is that okay with you if I get Yeah, let's that? do it. All right. I mean, it might not be as funny for you, but... I, the, <laughs> I told you, I've already explained. I'm like... It's too many downers in Spider-Man for me right now, so... No, I understand. Give it to us, James B. Well, I mean, I can't really do much more than say that the the, gob, the glider is damaged by Spider-Man previously, and as I mentioned, he's able to use his uh, spider sense to realize it's coming from behind him. They show, like, the little, you know, squiggles around him, and he, he ducks slightly to, the, to his left, and the glider zooms over him, uh, and it sticks... Into, now this, this glider, of course, has got these little prongs on it uh, for no apparent reason, unless he's using them offensively the same way. And it sticks into him, and he yells like, ah, and it goes chunk into him. And it says in the next panel, so do the proud men die. And it says, wump. And it says, crucified not on a cross of gold. And then it's sputtering on him. It goes, but on a stake of humble tin. And then after he's stuck to the wall, it slides down the wall, still sputtering and hissing. And then he falls over, and then Peter says, he's dead. Somehow I thought it would mean more. When a man dies, even a man like the goblin, it should mean something. It shouldn't be an accident, a stupid, senseless accident. 
it's got to have a point. So it doesn't just mean we live in vain, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's funny that he keeps calling him the goblin. He references a couple times as the right. goblin dying and not as Norman Osborn dying, mm-hmm. you know. So I guess he means more to him. He feels he's more goblin than he is Norman Osborn. Oh. I mean, I've felt that way since the very first, uh, you know, when Norman went through the psychedelic pumpkin. I, I don't think he ever really was Norman after he became the goblin. Um, he was always just the goblin who was trying to play Norman and was interrupted by goblin nightmares. So, hmm. Like, just it reminds me. It's he's getting philosophical. Like when Raleigh died not too long ago, too. So much death. So, Raleigh. Yeah, you're right. All these people dying. Too much. So, actually, did, when Raleigh died, they also took out Ra- uh, Thaxton too, didn't they? Yeah, Thaxton died. Smasher. Oh. Kind of died. Yeah. I mean, we've I got agree. Smasher, Raleigh, Thaxton, Rimbald, Gwen, Goblin. In the course of what? Seven issues, eight issues. You got to go back that far. I think Hammerhead lost one of his men, Benny or someone. Jeez. You know, dies right away. Or the or Doc Ock. I lose track since they're all named goons now. <laughs> so, um, speaking of names, this is not a good segue. <laughs> we, we haven't been, uh, we haven't really been getting a lot of a lot of messages. Oh. Um, I believe in the history of our show, for the first like. 35, 36 episodes, we, we didn't get a single message from anyone. <laughs> and over the last 35 or 36 since then, well, we've got about six. I mean, we're, we're, we're happy. <laughs> I I do this show for me and to hang out with you, James B., but it would be nice to have some other people, you know, part of our world. We just want them to, I just like to hear that they're out there. Like, you know, you don't have to be on the show. You could just say like, Hey, I listened to your podcast. I mean, someone's giving us a five-star rating and somebody's liking our show on Spotify and on Good Pods, but you know, we just, you know, would you know, be nice to have maybe do every 12 episodes have one person <laughs> say thanks for all your work and staying up and doing all these fun things. So, I don't know, maybe I'm asking too much, but if you're out there, you want to make me feel good, you'd be surprised how one little great job guys goes a long way, especially for Eddie. Eddie just got yelled at today, <laughs> trying to hire. It's a little tough. Trying to hire Luke Cage, and you I know, must, he's. I must say, I got nervous. That's for sure. Yeah, you're doing this for the listeners, and if they reach out and say, "Hey, Eddie, you did a great job today handling Luke Cage," you, you know, it could make you. How could a listener reach out on Twitter to and, and find us, Eddie? Uh, you could reach out and find us at Let's Read Spidey on Twitter. Great job today, by the way. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Um, I'm James B., joined by Eddie. And remember, listeners, if at first you can't pay someone to destroy Spider-Man, try again, and again, and again. Goodbye. And again, (laughs) and again. Goodbye, and again. So, Eddie, the next two books that we're going to cover are going to be very different than what we've been doing because the next book we're going to cover is Marvel Team-Up number, uh, must be the next one, 11, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. must be 12. 12 and, and 13. 
it, it's going to be Marvel team up 12, and they're going to send Peter Parker away. They're going to say, hey, take some time. They're going to acknowledge they're going to acknowledge Gwen Stacy's uh, death in uh, Marvel Team of Twelve, oh. and then they will uh, respect. They w- and and he's going to send him, I believe, to California to go check in on uh, and get some photos of like Daredevil and the Black Widow, who are a couple, I believe, in the storyline in California. Wow! Yeah. So Spidey's going to leave. He's going to go to California to go find them, and it's going to carry over, believe it or not, into Daredevil. Um, you know, whatever one hundred and three. So we're going to do a couple non-Spidey issues that have a lot of... Well, sorry. We're going to do a couple non-amazing Spider-Man issues that have a lot of Spider-Man, and, and the kind of fits in very well here. It's not just like a cameo, you know? Interesting. So get ready to get your uh, your Foggy Nelsons and Karen Pages, or, or at least get your Matt Murdocks ready. So we're going to do that. Is that okay with you? Uh, I do love Matt Murdock. Yeah, I'm I'm ready for that. Yeah, great. Take a little vacation to ourselves from Spidey. Sure. Well, I mean, it's, we're going there because Spidey's going there, too. True. So. <laughs> so, you might want to go to California because, uh, you know, Luke Cage is after you. <laughs> I, I am... Actually, let's be honest. We know you're not going to go to California. You're, uh, I, I got rumors you're going to Canada. <laughs> I, I am ready to go to Canada anytime. <laughs> yeah, I know why you're going to Canada for Miss Stallone. <laughs> James B., you're going you're gonna, to um, start quite a bit of controversy at my household. You just here. said you're ready to go to Canada. <laughs> I'm always ready. I love Canada. I love Canadians, but... Oh, I know you love Canadians. I know it's when you love the most. 